This podcast has been underwritten by Cape Cod Healthcare because investing in the arts creates a healthier community. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast, a series of conversations with Cape Cod creatives. This project is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and Provincetown Community Television. Recorded here at the Night Owl Recording Studio at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in Yarmouth. Welcome to the Creative Exchange Podcast. I'm Amy Davies, the Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, the Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Today we're here with Melissa Kenny, Executive Director of Cape Cod Can, and Jessica Wilson, Managing and Artistic Director of the Watermelon Alligator Theatre Company. Cape Cod Collaborative Arts Network, otherwise known as Cape Cod Can, is an independent organization in partnership with the Katuit Center for the Arts, innovative and inclusive visual performance and literary arts program for teens and adults of all abilities. Meanwhile, Watermelon Alligator Theater Company is the 2019 theater company in residence at Katuit Center for the Arts. The group is a consortium of theater professionals and dedicated amateurs committed to producing high-quality theater in a local setting. The groups have collaborated at Katuit Center to offer performing arts workshops for students of all abilities and experience levels, from improvisation workshops to master classes centering on helping students explore their unique talents and abilities. Welcome, Melissa and Jessica. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so great to have you today. This is such an important topic. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start the conversation with Melissa telling us a little bit more about Cape Cod Can and, you know, your role there. And Sure. So Cape Cod Can was actually started in 2011 as a grassroots organization founded by Jim Hurley. Um, Jim was a grandpa who had who has a grandson with um, acquired brain injury. And he was kind of thinking about his grandson growing up and the kind of activities that he might be involved with and could he share activities um, with him. Jim mm-hmm. was a performer at Katuit Center for the Arts. At his kitchen table, he kind of thought of ways that he could connect individuals with disabilities and the theater. And so originally they were funded through VSA, Massachusetts, and they were the fiscal sponsor. And as they grew and developed a relationship with Katuit Center for the Arts, kind of developed that relationship, and Katuit Center for the Arts became the fiscal sponsor. In 2017, I came on board. And that's a crazy, crazy story. But (laughs) um, at that time, still the organization was out of Jim's dining room. Wow, I didn't right. know that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, meetings would be had on site at Katuit, but really it was operated out of his home with Katie Paul, who's our program director, you know, kind of working out of her home and then collaborating for the different activities and events that, that they hosted annually. So 2017 marked the first time that we had a physical space. And, oh. you know, we kind of became part and parcel of the education program at Katuit. So it was, yeah, really awesome. Really, really awesome to have a space, to have a desk, um, to have a support system right there Mm -hmm. and place, you know, to have access to that theater, to the black box. It's, it changed everything, Mm. I'm sure. And at that same time, Jim was retiring. So he had already retired from his engineering job, but he and his wife wanted to move to Maryland to be closer to their family, including that lovely grandson. So it was one of those kismet, 
happenstance things that I feel <laughs> has happened in my life in the last three years. And, and that's kind of how I came on board. But the, the story is that back in the 2000s, I, my son was taking art classes in Plymouth at a little studio called Yellow House Studio which was actually founded by Cape artists Chris Reverdy, Jackie Reeves, and Caroline McCarty. Ah. And he loved it. He was you know, six, seven, eight years old. Around that time, Chris and Jackie had decided that they wanted to move back to the Cape and kind of focus their art here, um, but didn't want to give up Yellow House Studio. So um, they had developed it as a nonprofit. It became Plymouth Community Arts Center. Asked me if I would take it over which I did. So I took a little hiatus <laughs> from human services. Not being an artist, I ran an art studio, education center, a little gallery. So fast forward, there on the Cape, not a whole lot of you know interaction between mm-hmm. us anymore. They were really doing well here. I had merged with Plymouth Center for the Arts and decided, okay, it's kind of time to go back into human services. Ten years later... <laughs> <laughs> 2017, my brother is the GM of the Cape Cotter. He's oh. working with Kate, with Christopher Verdi on artwork for the hotel. My parents moved to Plymouth from Worcester. They want the specific artwork done. They commissioned Christopher Verdi through my brother. Nobody has connected that I had a business relationship <laughs> with Chris and Jackie until... My parents happened to mention something, or she saw a picture, I, I don't even know. And you're Melissa Kenny's parents. Started talking. At that time, I was leaving the Ark of Greater Plymouth, looking for a kind of a social enterprise, something that was going to be a startup, new and different position. She mentioned it to Jim Hurley. Wow. <laughs> Came full circle. <gasps> I know. And the fact that you had the arts, even though you weren't. Like, <laughs> I know. You know, an artist yourself, which is, no, is right. fine. You know, I, I love that. Right, right. You just never know. It's you never know. Be. You never know. Yeah. My my theory is that if I hang around with artistic people enough, it's going to rub off. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I can honestly say that's not the case. <laughs> I think I'm a creative, but I'm definitely not an artist and definitely not a performer. Yeah. Um, however... So this position has really been unique in that it's allowed me to meld my love for working with folks of all abilities and Mm -hmm. and working in that human service and disability field with the arts in Mm. such a a positive way. It's almost custom-made, I I have to say. It's really amazing. So when Cape Cod Cam was founded, Jim, because he's such an amazing networker and collaborator, worked with probably about 20 different social service agencies here on the Cape, residential, day, and social, to provide in-house art education and performance education within their day programs. So it was was wonderful. Cape Cod Can instructors, Couture Center for the Art instructors, went into day programs and created beautiful artwork, amazing performances. And then came springtime, they would have their big musical review. In the last two years, we've diversified a little bit. We decided that we wanted to reach out to the greater community 
because we know that there are individuals of all abilities who might not be connected to an organization necessarily, and we want them to have the opportunity to. Mm -hmm. So right now we continue with those programs in-house with the agencies. We have some agencies that actually come to Katuit Center for the Arts for their education. We have classes and workshops open to everybody, so we're inclusive, and that's not just people of all abilities. It's people who don't have known disabilities. Okay. Anybody can can participate. We started an open mic night about a year ago. Well, it's it was a year so ago this fun. summer. Oh, I bet. And again, you know, we kind of throw things <laughs> against the wall, yeah. see what sticks in and what yeah. might be of interest, and yeah. boy, that was... That was the best, right? So give us a story about, you know, maybe some of the individuals you're working with and how it, the open mic night benefited. Right. So yeah. the musical review has just been so popular, and it's been a great platform for people to develop self-confidence, but, you know, to get on mm. stage and perform with their peers. Yeah. When, I, when I came on board, I wanted to make sure that we were looking at all talent, and not just having concerts necessarily, you know, people who get up and sing, but, you know, who's taking a dance class? Who studies an instrument? Who does comedy? So that's how Open Mic Night was kind of born. Let's give people a safe space, supportive space, where they can try out their talent, non-judgmental, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. just have fun. And so that's kind of you know, the impetus, but a fun story is that we have a few individuals who will literally come up and say, do you mind if I try out some material tonight? Knowing that they want to perform that in an upcoming show, and also knowing that they're in a really supportive environment with friends and peers. And so here you go. And then one night, we have a gentleman who is a wonderful singer and, you know, just loves to perform and performs actually with three different organizations. And then we have Ben Ninesling, who is a wonderful guitarist, singer, country western, loves Willie Nelson. He's amazing. They start collaborating when they arrived. Wow. You know, hey, I'd like to sing a James Taylor song. Can you accompany me on your guitar? <laughs> that's awesome. That's what we want to see happen, you know, and, right. and that's kind of amazing. And then I think the other really fun story is Emma Dubner from The Ticks. Oh yeah, Emma. Yeah, so so Emma's an MC for Open Mic Night. Oh, oh that's great! So perfect, and uh, so perfect, and yeah. she's so amazing. And so the first Open Mic Night, Emma comes in, and then an entourage comes in of guitarists, and we've got the horn, we've got this <laughs> drummers, and, yeah. and I'm like, who are all these people? <laughs> Emma's family came, so. I tease that they're kind of the modern-day Partridge family <laughs> because they come now to every open mic night. And what that's allowed is for us to use less of that MP3 music or the iPad to sing along kind of karaoke style and right. more, excuse me, more opportunity to play with live music. <gasps> it, it's, yeah, when you, can, you when have can to we come. See it? It's the last Friday of the month, and it's at 6 o'clock. So we're there from like 6 to 7.30. And that's at Katuit Center. It's at Katuit Center. We're in the art barn because we outgrew the schoolhouse. We started at the you schoolhouse. outgrew the schoolhouse after like three I, open Very, mics. very quickly. It really quick. That's it's kind of like a cool Friday night thing to do. And so, uh, Jessica, how does Watermelon Alligator fit in to Cape Cod Game? So my partner, Garrett Olson, and I created Watermelon Alligator as an inclusive theater company because 
it's still a challenge in this area to have performance spaces that are accessible as an audience member, let alone as a performer. Oh. Find me a backstage area that is accessible for people with mobility issues that they almost don't exist. And we really were like, well, there's a lot of talent of, you know, all shapes and sizes. And it was sort of brought home to us. We were always working in that space. And then uh, three years ago, I was in a really serious car accident. I was in the hospital for three months and in a wheelchair for another six months after that. And it really kind of brought home the fact how inaccessible these spaces were because I had to direct something and I had to call the people and say, you're your performance and rehearsal spaces are not accessible. If you can't find something different, I can't. You're going to have to find another director. And to their credit, this group did find alternate space so that I could continue with the project. But it really kind of drove it home for us. So we've spent a lot of time sort of trying to create that space and trying to bring awareness to making the arts more accessible, making specifically performing arts more accessible, um, not just as an audience member. Because as an audience member, you can, you know, most facilities are, are wheelchair accessible, at least now. Many have captioning or some kind of uh, service for the hearing impaired. But trying to get people on the stage is still a struggle. So Garrett also worked for the Ark of Greater Plymouth once upon a time. And I was working at um, getting a collaboration and a, a relationship with Ketuit Center for the Arts. And I was in the education department talking with Christine Ernst and mentioned that we do classes and, and, you know, our goal is inclusion and we do inclusive classes and any of our classes, including stage combat, can be made accessible to everybody. And her ears kind of perked up and she went, you need to talk to Cape Cod Can, who sits right behind me. And then it turns out that Melissa and Garrett knew each other once upon a time. And so it was just, again, one of those sort of stories that people are where they need to be when they need to be there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, four years ago, we wouldn't have been able to take on uh, the projects that we have with Cape Cod Can because both Garrett and I were working full time at other, you know, career jobs instead of just the art stuff that we were doing sort of on the side. And now post-accident, I at least have been able to devote sort of full-time to this project. And he and I, and he's been able to shift his schedule so that we are available in the early afternoon to go do some of these high school classes that, that Cape Cod Can is doing with inclusive, what are we calling it? Creative Classroom. Engaged in learning. Engaged in learning. Uh Engaged in learning. Uh And the classes that we're doing through Cape Cod Can and and other places. We don't just work with Cape Cod Can, but we're very, very proud of the work that we're doing and the individuals that have come through our programs who are able now to advocate for themselves. And they have such confidence to be able to get up and talk. And there were literally people who have come to our classes who, when they first came, we couldn't get them to say their name. Mm. And they were on stage on Saturday at the Mm -hmm. concert you know, singing and telling jokes and doing improv. And it was just, it's amazing to watch, you know, they're kind of spread their wings and, and the, the difference that those few hours make in their lives. We have one young man who English, I think it's his third language. Yeah. And the improv has just improved his, his speech and his communication in incredible ways where now he, well, he takes he's the amazing. stage. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. Yep. He's our star at improv, and he's definitely our star at um, open mic night. Yeah. And, yeah. and so we've been 
Garrett in in an earlier life had started a an improv troupe specifically with individuals who were clients of the Ark of Greater Plymouth mm-hmm. and they had toured around and, and performed at some DDS events mm-hmm. and some other events and that when he left that program sort of waned unfortunately but Melissa was very keen to get it started up again and we're proud to say that we do we have Cape Cod Can improv players and they have performed now at four, three or four DDS events. They performed at the holiday concert. Mm-hmm. They're available for bookings. Anybody who's listening, <laughs> that's, so, that's great. And and so they, you know, they walked into their first class with this idea that I would really love to be, you know, a performer, an actor, an improv. And now they can all, every one of them can say, I'm a professional improv performer I've been paid paid. I've been paid to do improv which you know some actors who went to to you know conservatories and studied how you know (laughs) take years to get to that point so it's it's been it's I can't say enough about how rewarding it's been working together to me it really talks about how important represent representation absolutely Mm -hmm. you know you can't aspire to something if you don't see someone like yourself If there's so many institutional hurdles and societal hurdles, it was a big story in the news this year, an an actor who was in the revival of Oklahoma in New York City who won a Tony for her Mm -hmm. performance, who uses a wheelchair. And she talked a lot about the struggles that she had commuting to the rehearsal space and commuting to the theater and getting into the theater and the accommodations that had to be made. And the way it sort of separated her out from the rest of the cast mm-hmm. because she couldn't be in all the spaces that everybody else was. Mm-hmm. And that's on Broadway right? with unlimited money. You know? And when she got her Tony, they didn't even have ramp yeah. available for her to get on stage to accept her award. Yep. It's you feel like progress is in 2019, yeah, and then right. you know stuff like this happens. Right. It's yeah. so interesting, you know, Jessica. When you're talking about you know the people that you work with, your eyes just completely light mm-hmm. up. And yeah. So, how did you get involved in this work? Well, I've always been involved in it in some way or another. My brother was born with brain tumors, and so had a lot of cognitive disabilities, and I saw the exclusion for him growing up and so I was I've always sort of had that lens on when I've looked at things but really it it's about trying to create representation in all fields you know I I've done a lot of and continue to do a lot of work with queer representation as well and and with body positive representation and you know our theater company refute we cast on talent that's what we say we cast on talent not looks or you know levels of ability so you know you might be a you know very large i'm i'm raising my hand nobody else can see that except the people around the table but you know you, you might be a, a large woman who is not let's say the romantic lead look you're not necessarily going to get cast in other places because people have a sort of specific picture in their head and we'll come in and say, if you give us the best audition and the best read with the the other actors, then you're going to get that part. And everybody else can kind of get their heads around it as we go because people come in all shapes and sizes and abilities. Mm-hmm. And it's about time that representation gets more focus. And it's mm-hmm. it's very, very kind of closed here in the United States. If you go other in other countries, representation is a little bit better in terms of race, in terms of 
body size in terms of abilities, there's a lot more diversity in TV and film in other countries. Nowhere is it 100% reflective of the society that they're living in. But we, America especially, does a really poor job of making anybody who's not a size double zero or young 20-something white <laughs> making any of them feel like they are they belong in in sort of the performing arts and we're really there's a big movement to change that and we're mm -hmm. we're glad to be just some small little part of it right mm -hmm. or or not hiring um people with disabilities to yep. play a person with a disability right which i know is a controversial topic but yeah there's a big there's a big push to say you shouldn't be cast if you don't have some form of the disability that's reflected in the character. And on some level, that's we want to support that because people with disabilities aren't getting seen for non-disabled mm -hmm. roles. Right. Until we get to the point where, like Watermelon Alligator, you may have a disability, but we're going to cast you in the role that we think you do the best in. And it, that if that means that that character now has cerebral palsy or uses a wheelchair or, you know, has some kind of speech impediment or whatever it might be, then that becomes a part of the character. But a lot of theaters and a lot of, of casting agents for, for film and TV don't think that way. And it's so important to start in the community arena and community theater. And Katuit's making real strides at doing that. We have a number of alums of Cape Cod Can programs who are in Dr. Doolittle, which mm -hmm. is which is playing right now. Right. And there were there were, you know, in most of our big main stage shows, there have been, you know, a few people cast. So we're making a little bit of strides. Um, Watermelon Alligator works really hard to make everything that we do as inclusive as possible and represent as representative as possible so that people do walk away from the theater going, I I could do that. You know, I've always wanted to do that. Maybe I could do that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could go learn how to do stage combat. It doesn't matter that I, you know, I can't, whatever it might be. Maybe I could learn how to do that. And that's mm -hmm. all, you know, you can't inspire if you're not, if you don't have that spark. Mm -hmm. you know? And that's how I think our programming has grown. We started with, I think, 50 people on stage for that spring musical. And in 2018, we decided that the speaking parts that were going to staff or to high school peers were no longer going to go to those folks, but instead they were going to go to Cape Cod Can members. Why not? And boy, oh boy, that just took off. So our 2019 show, we had so many requests for speaking parts <laughs> that we had to create characters and walk-ons and cameos and <laughs> intros and so we had 20 individuals with roles and we had almost 100 people on stage for those three shows wow. which is phenomenal but you know it's watching their peers and it's yeah. gaining the confidence and it's saying boy I want to I want to try that it's creating that supportive environment that you can do it and we'll do whatever we can to make yeah. sure that you can do it. And so then that translated into the opportunity with Dr. Doolittle. Tristan, you know, was obviously helping us with our shows, and, and he saw some of the performers, and he really went up to them and said, you should consider auditioning for Katuit Center for the Arts shows. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Doolittle opportunity came up, and 
auditioned and were cast as part of the ensemble. And if you haven't seen the show yet, it's wonderful because there's mm-hmm. the circus scene where everybody in the ensemble has a little bit of a solo, you know, where they're performing a trick or whatever. And th- there are folks. You know, my dream is that you go to a show and you don't say, oh, look, that lovely, you know, performer has Down syndrome. You know, we mm-hmm. just look at the cast and mm. everybody is just the cast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they are having a wonderful time. And I have to say that Couture has done an amazing job of realizing that maybe somebody needs a little special accommodation, whatever that might be. And and so let's make it happen. Cape Cod Can has offered to help in any way that we can. Buying binders to put scripts in, you know, to make things a little bit more manageable, whatever, providing transportation, whatever it takes so that they are part and parcel of shows that happen there. Right. Yeah. Part of the cast. Part of the cast. And the community. And the community. Yeah. And and so I just interviewed Stephanie Polito, who is one of the casts for our Cape Cod Can newsletter, about her experience with Dr. Doolittle. And she's, you know, has a new circle of friends yeah. that she might not have otherwise have met. Yeah. The director came up to me and said that he was so especially proud of her because she took on a leadership role with the other members of the ensemble, some who are kids. Right? There are lots mm-hmm. of kids in the show. That she is a leader on that stage, and the kids are looking to her for their cues. And mm-hmm. how how wonderful. She's mm-hmm. a professional. I mean, she, she is. She's a professional. She's, she's performed since middle school. But she's... <laughs> Amazing. So these are the opportunities that we hope happen yeah. Cape-wide, you know, not just at Katoot Center for the Arts. Right, right. And, and the more that these opportunities happen and the more that the, the, more, the wider the circle of people that have these mm-hmm. experiences, the more we go towards making the rest of the world accessible, the more people mm-hmm. will start to understand. Mm-hmm. If you have a step into your building, you're not accessible. If you have to ring, go around to the back door and ring a bell and wait for someone to come and open the ramp door, it's not accessible. Right. And, and I think people don't realize, people who don't have struggle with mobility, for example, don't think about those things because it doesn't impact their daily world unless they have someone in their lives that do that mm-hmm. or unless they're informed enough to go out and see, you know, they're on Twitter and they seek out disabled Twitter and start learn, reading and learning from some of the, the activists who are there, that type of thing. But the more I hate to use the word exposure, mm-hmm. but we do. We have a we we do a terrible job of of keeping people segregated, mm-hmm. right? right. In, in all kinds of ways. And until everyone starts to see everybody else mm-hmm. as whole people, mm-hmm. and whole people were that bring something really enriching to the table, then we're going to get to the point where people go, "Hey, you know, it's really not okay that movies don't have captions." It's really not okay that there's not a way to get a for for a Tony award winning actor to get onto the stage to get her award. <laughs> That's not okay. And then we'll be able to start making the changes, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So if people are listening and they're thinking, "Oh, that sounds like my theater or my arts facility or my place of business you already gave one sort of easy solution have the door open (laughs) where the ramp is so Mm -hmm. someone doesn't Mm -hmm. have to struggle there are there other things that people can do quickly to start to make things more open for everyone 
There are there are a lot of things, and I know that the the Mass Commission on Disabilities, and I'm sure there's a couple of other organizations that have sort of tip sheets that if you go online, you can see, you know, what's an easy way to, if you're a community theater, for example, and you want to make your performances more accessible to audience, there are, there are individuals on the Cape who will open caption performances for you. There are systems you can get that can plug into, if you mic all your performers, there's things you can get that will plug into your sound system and and hearing impaired people will be able to hear Mm -hmm. the dialogue. Things as simple as having a large print script available at your box office. If you can't do any other thing, Mm -hmm. I mean, I... Watermelon Alligator has a program that does free outdoor Shakespeare in the summer, Midsummer Shakespeare, and we have copies of the script available because we don't mic. You know, we have very limited um, Mm -hmm. amplification, but at least we have that. And it's not ideal, but it's something. Mm -hmm. It's something and it shows we're paying attention. We're paying attention and we're trying to accommodate. We, we went, we had the opportunity to participate in Culture Park's short play marathon a couple weeks ago in New Bedford. And we had a, you know, 10 page script and we incorporated sign language into it so that we, you know, some of our, some of the lines were signed just so that there's a that little bit of inclusion. It doesn't take a lot, you know, you don't have to have to make your building accessible, there are things that you can do to make people feel welcome. And um, Mass Cultural Council has their Universal Participation Program, um, which is amazing. And I believe they even offer a stipend so that um, members of, you know, your staff can go to the workshops and, you know, go through the training. And then once you go through everything, you get a certification. But Things that Jessica had mentioned, as well as others, really, really important. I can't can't say enough about it. The other thing that I will always advocate for is sensory-friendly performances as well. There's not enough of them on the Cape. Mm -hmm. There are lots of families who would love to bring their kids to theater but may not be able to because of the sound, the lights, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a lot to make a sensory-friendly program. In fact, the Boston Pops just did it for the first time. Mm. The Nutcracker, Blue Man Group did it for the first time. And for Blue Man Group, that was because that's, that's, that's 90% huge. of their show is, is the, the lights and the spectacle. Yeah. So it, it was a lot for them to that's start really cool. thinking about this. Wow. But you know, I, it's almost like if you build it, they will come. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, what I would say to theaters and concert venues, whatever here, mm-hmm. is that Again, it doesn't it doesn't take much, but you are going to open up your audience, mm-hmm. you know, because if you mm-hmm. have parents who now can bring their family to attend yeah. a production of whatever, boy, mom and dad have date night, right? right. And yeah. I never knew that this theater was available. We never had the opportunity to go there before. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to look to that for other other chances. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. And simple things like if you have an event, think through, is it accessible or yeah. not? Because the reality is in, in our world on the Cape, there are some venues that aren't accessible. And if you happen to be having an event there, at least post it somewhere in your on your page that it's not accessible or it's it's, you know, whatever the, the challenges are, because people with who have challenges 
look to websites, look to information about programs mm-hmm. to find out, can I attend? Mm-hmm. And to remove the additional step of having to call and ask and try and get a hold of somebody who can tell them, yes, you can come, or no, they're strobe lights, or mm-hmm. no, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. Think through some of these things. And if you don't know what to think through, I'm sure that my contact information is going to be on the on the podcast website. Reach out to us. Reach out to Cape Cod Can. People are available to help you think through these things and make your space and your events more welcoming. Can we talk about what a sensory performance would be like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what what happens? So during a sensory performance, the lights may be up more, so it wouldn't be so dark and scary within the theater. The sound is definitely down, so it's not so loud. Use of strobes, any yeah. of those kinds of lights would not happen. But the other important thing for a sensory friendly is um, to have an area where families can take a child or an adult member, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. age, who might be struggling a little bit, have a little quiet time. And then maybe if they're ready, they can come back into mm-hmm. the theater. But to have mm-hmm. that space that's quiet, calm, to you know, reset, regroup mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. The other important piece, too, is to develop a social story. So if there's something that's published about the show, about the the play, whatever it might be, that a family can sit a week before the performance and kind of go through, okay, and this is what the story is about, and this is what you're going to see, this is what you're going to hear. It just helps mm, to have prepare. that, yeah. yeah, to have that preparation before the performance. It's you definitely know, this, more There's enjoyable. going to be a surprise. There's going to be yes. a loud character. Absolutely. That will, Absolutely. Things, you know, that somebody mm. jumps out of yep. this and yeah. those types of things where there's nothing startling. There's nothing that, that's super loud. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's that absolutely nothing that's strobing or anything like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. The, if there's projections or use of mm-hmm. a screen, that mm-hmm. might be either eliminated or dimmed or something mm-hmm. yeah. so that there's just it's a little more easy to take for people who have sensory input right. issues. Yeah. So just as an example, um, Cape Cod Cam was invited to the final dress rehearsal of Dr. Doolittle. They are wonderful about having that and making it free. Um, and so they eliminated the thunderstorm where, you know, you have the strobe yeah. lights and you so they eliminated that. It wasn't so loud. Um, they also eliminated all the little fish that, that you see in that one scene. And not that everybody needed that, but it was there so that there wasn't anybody that could not attend. Right. You know, it's important. It's important. I love how the arts, just really thinking deeply yeah. about, you know, bridging that divide mm-hmm. between, you know, access and lack of access. And so I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And it's making me actually rethink about my events. And I think if I could just add on the visual arts end of things, um, I think it's really important for art education groups to really consider how they can open up their classes to people of all abilities. Um, Because again, as Jessica mentioned, you know, not everybody assumes that they can get into a a building, but not everybody assumes that they can participate Mm -hmm. in a class. You don't need to be a special education teacher to teach an art class to people of all abilities. Mm -hmm. And it really takes having, you know, specific language that Everybody's welcome if you need to bring, you know, somebody with you, whether, um, you know, it's it's an aide or an ABA therapist or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
help that you might need for your class or we're willing to make some accommodations, that's important because art is art and talent is talent and talent doesn't Mm -hmm. know disabilities. And so everybody should have the opportunity to attend an inclusive class. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of art instructors are would be more than happy mm-hmm. to have their their classes be considered inclusive but it doesn't occur to them they're like oh, right. well of course if somebody called and right. said that we yes. needed this we right. would do it but a lot of times if that language isn't on the description people won't even call they'll just assume no they just because they've gotten no. so many no's mm-hmm. in the past right. and so you know we we always make sure any class we teach no matter where it is and we teach you know on Cape Cod and and the South Shore in a lot of venues that the, our classes are open to, you know, whatever the age range is of all abilities. And if you need a specific accommodation to please mm-hmm. email us so that we can make sure that we've got it ready. You know, because if you need something that would require a little bit of prep, obviously we don't want you to show up on the first day of class mm-hmm. and have us not be prepared mm-hmm. to accommodate it. But, you know, generally we can accommodate yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've had people te- take our stage combat classes in, you know, with walkers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and chairs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, that's a very physical class. But we will, you know, and I think for the visual arts, especially, they don't think about it quite as much, maybe as performing arts do, unless they've had a student or an experience. So just mm-hmm. thinking through, making sure that everybody knows that they're that mm-hmm. they're welcome. And it sounds like it's uh, more detailed language than all are welcome. Mm-hmm. Right. So there right. are specific things that we can find online that yep. will help express and, what and we're And Katua has added it to their, mm-hmm. to all yeah. their class descriptions. Oh, interesting. Which okay. is, yep, yeah. which is, you know, kids through adult classes. Okay. It's in there in their description. Hmm. Well, this has been <laughs> enlightening and inspiring. Very. And it's just really. It's such important work to mm-hmm. make people feel good about themselves. I, I know. It's such a delicate conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, I can't help but think about how programs like this, like both of your programs, really help others empathize, mm-hmm. right? Programs like this help everybody connect, and we want to create access for everybody, mm-hmm. But do we really mean it? And, mm. you know? Well, and we just proposed a project for the spring, a photo project. It's called Photo Voice, mm. where we want our Cape Cod Can members to go out on field trips with their cameras and kind of take a look at the Cape from their eye, from their lens, in terms of accessibility, diversity, community, and inclusion. Mm. And so where are there examples that that does take place and then where are there examples that maybe it doesn't and you know it's it's informative and it will hopefully mm-hmm. you know help people kind of stop and think yes mm-hmm. right it, you know yeah. like you said are, are we fully inclusive we want to be we think we, we are, think we are. <laughs> right. and you know and and we're not and right. we could be and we can be better and I think you know especially within the arts um sector I think we all really try hard mm-hmm. and um, and it is that accessibility that you know at the Arts Foundation we're always talking about access and and this definitely is eye-opening to me to to think about access 
for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I'm really grateful that the two of you have, are here and shared um, yes. some of the work that you're doing. I can't wait to come to some of the shows. I, I cannot wait to bring my children mm-hmm. to the shows and to think about really lifting the mask, yeah. you know, and the stigma. Yeah. And hearing that your participants are in Dr. Doolittle is just outstanding. Right. And so I really applaud Katuit Center for being really open and accessible, as well as to Watermelon Alligator for making this, really pushing this agenda, which... Um, We're trying. Yeah, yeah. I want to work, work more with you. So thank you for that. And thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to today's guests, Melissa Kenny of Cape Cod Can and Jessica Wilson of the Watermelon Alligator Theater Company. For this episode of the Creative Exchange Podcast, I'm Amy Davies, Executive Director of Provincetown Community Television. And I'm Julie Wake, Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. Until next time, arts matter. Support for the Creative Exchange Podcast is made possible by Delbrook JKS. Music for the Creative Exchange Podcast is the work of Jordan Renzi. Produced in association with Billingsgate Records by Jordan Renzi and Andrew Staker at Big Red Studios in Wellfleet. The Creative Exchange Podcast is brought to you by the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod, Provincetown Community Television, and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. In the desert, to the oasis, this time I'm not this time and this time I know the state know this time and this time I'm not afraid no this time